0: Let's see what they find. I wouldn't be surprised if they found thousands and thousands and thousands of votes. So we're going to watch that very closely. And you're watching New Hampshire. They found a lot of votes up in New Hampshire just now.
1: Actually, no, they, they didn't find a whole lot of votes up in New Hampshire just now. Well,
2: I don't know why I came here tonight. But, you
1: know, facts and stuff. I
2: got a feeling something right. <laughs> I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Uh-huh. Get down the stairs yep. Clowns to the left of me
1: Jokers to the right Here I am stuck in the middle with you Yes I am From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles This is The broadcast, As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding On KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV. Out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, And Detour Talk. Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Says me. Says Desi. I do. Okay, just checking, (laughs) just making sure. Anyway, welcome to the Bradcast from bradblog.com fighting like hell for nearly 20 years now to protect what's left of our democracy. Couldn't do it without your help. So thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, To that end, you know, it's nice when actual experts carry out post-election audits versus, you know, cyber ninja clowns, as has been the case over the past few weeks in the little town of Wyndham, New Hampshire where, uh, for some reason, that's the town where we have actual experts, because some, for some reason, hundreds of votes from the 2020 election had been mistallied by the town's decades-old debold optical scan tabulators that, that was discovered during a hand count of ballots a week after the election last November. It's that election, by the way, that Donald Trump has been referring to when suggesting of late that thousands and thousands of ballots have been found in New Hampshire. Well, you'll be uh, stunned to learn, yeah, that isn't really the case at all. We'll be joined shortly by one of the actual professional auditors of that very strange case in New Hampshire, where hundreds of votes actually were miscounted by the computer tabulators. Uh, It was only discovered because one candidate lost by few enough votes that she asked for a hand count. And discovered the very serious mis So we now know what appears to have happened in that case in Wyndham, New Hampshire. And no, it does not appear that it's going to help Donald Trump be reinstated as president of the United States this August. As he has been pretending. I know that upsets you, (laughs) Desi I'm just really
3: glad to have some actual factual basis for some things with some actual evidence by actual experts who actually know what they're talking about. We
1: will get to that actual evidence and that actual expert momentarily. By the way, we do have a fresh green news report coming up a bit later as well, though it has nothing but very bad and disturbing news in it. So as usual, we recommend you do not listen to it. (laughs) Very quickly, uh, before all of that, uh, some just quick email here following yesterday's show in which I had asked uh, what the hell we should do about Joe Manchin now that the West Virginia Democratic U.S. Senator has come out against uh, the sweeping election reform bill known as the For the People Act. That would be in opposition, by the way, to all 49 of his Senate Democratic colleagues who have co-sponsored the bill this uh, measure would mandate early voting, no excuse absentee voting, and partisan gerrymandering get dark money out of elections so billionaires cannot keep buying them and much more. And at the same time, Manchin also said he's against ending the filibuster, which to do that, uh, if someone could figure out how to get Manchin to support HR1, The For the People Act, uh, well, you'd have to get rid of the filibuster in order to pass that law because you ain't going to be finding 10 Republicans. You ain't going to be finding one Republican willing to sign on to the For the People Act because it protects the votes of voters in all 50 states. So yesterday I admitted I personally have no clue what to do about any of this. Everything in the Senate for the moment seems to be heading up against that brick wall by the name of Joe Manchin. And I haven't really found anybody else who knows what to do either. I received this email from Rose in response to yesterday's program. She writes, well, shouldn't there be some canvassing in West Virginia to see just how popular this guy is and find a Democrat who is better liked? Well, you might think. Uh, Rose, But there are a few problems there. For one, Manchin is not up for re-election himself for another four years. If he chooses to run, uh, he won't be on the ballot again until 2024. So opposing him with a primary challenger or something like that makes little sense. And it would probably make him angry and less likely to come around and do the right thing for his party and his country. Also, it's not all that easy finding a Democrat in deep red West Virginia who can win on a statewide ballot in a state that Trump won in 2020 by a whopping 38 points over Joe Biden, if the tabulators in that state can be trusted. That said, yeah, you're right. The positions that Manchin is opposing are extremely popular, even in West Virginia, pulling out last month. Shows in West Virginia shows that the For the People Act, this sweeping uh, election bill, is supported by an incredible 79 percent across all parties in West Virginia. It's opposed by only 15 percent of voters, even Republican voters. If you look at just the Republicans, 76 percent of registered Republican voters support the For the People Act. Uh, even 75% of supporters of Donald Trump back it. So I, I hope to have much more on all of this on tomorrow's Bradcast, but I am still open to uh, thoughts on the question that I asked yesterday on the show. What do we do about Mansion? Because I really don't know at this point, and I'm spending an inordinate no- amount of time uh, both thinking and reading about it. So if anyone has any ideas, feel free to drop me an email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. In the meantime, as uh, I'm very concerned about upcoming elections and if democracy can survive the continuing GOP attacks on it, well, there's a whole bunch of people, yes, mostly Republicans, who are still concerned about the last one. But in one small town in New Hampshire, there is very good reason to be concerned. This is a contest where, as I noted, Trump told supporters recently that thousands and thousands of votes had suddenly been found. Of course, he was wrong. But still, uh, there is a a legitimate post-election audit now appears to be wrapping up in New Hampshire, where something actually did go very wrong to the tune of hundreds of votes. We will be joined next by one of the actual auditors of that election in Wyndham, New Hampshire, to explain what they have learned about what actually happened in a great example of how a real post-election forensic audit actually works and how that audit is very different from the clown show we have been reporting on going on in, in Maricopa, Arizona, and if any of it affects the results of the presidential election in the Granite State, where Joe Biden... Soundly defeated Donald Trump by about 55,000 votes. Post-election audit expert and UC Berkeley professor Philip B. Stark joins us next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman.
3: Hey, this is Desi. The broadcast and the Green News Report survive thanks to you and your support. Please drop by bradblog.com/donate today to help us stay independent every day over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com/donate, and thanks.
2: We're still-
1: Yes, they are. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Is that Ben Folds (laughs) 5?
2: Yes, it is.
1: I see what you did there. Our (laughs) listeners uh, may find out in a few minutes as well. Well done, Desi Doyen. According to Business Insider last week, observers of the ongoing, yes, it's still ongoing, so-called audit of the 2020 election results in Maricopa County, Arizona, that's Phoenix, in the state's largest county, accounting uh, for about two thirds of the statewide vote, where Joe Biden was certified to have defeated Donald Trump by a bit more than 10,000 votes last year. Observers have alleged several problematic incidents during the controversial recount, which many, including myself, have described as an audit theater clown show. Not because I have anything. Against partisans uh, who have concerns about whether election results are correct, being allowed to examine those results to determine if in fact they are correct, even partisans that have been lied to about those results by a former president of the United States claiming without evidence that the election was stolen from him. So that's not why I have a problem with what's going on in Maricopa County. But it's because this audit carried out by with uh, taxpayer dollars and overseen by people with absolutely no experience with either audits or voting systems has been done largely in secret. The Arizona secretary of state had to go to court to allow her observers the Secretary of State's own observers. She had to go to court to get those observers into the so called audit to watch what was going on with 2.1 million actual ballots from the election. And she only gained any access at all a week or two after the tally of all of those ballots had already been underway. The company hired to organize. The exercise, by the name of Cyber Ninja's company out of Florida, whose CEO has been echoing Donald Trump's false claims about massive voter fraud pretty much since Election Day, they refused to reveal their procedures for what should have been a fully public examination of ballots. After claiming to a court that their processes were a trade secret, They finally relented and released their procedure documents when they were ordered to do so which revealed as we initially reported exclusively on this program that their own process would allow a minimum, a minimum of 42,000 votes to be changed without setting off any internal or external alarm bells in their process. And by the time the ninjas announce the results of their hand count, whatever it turns out to be, since they don't release any tally, uh, tally sheets or or summaries of each day's work, there would be no way to go back and know which tally was right. The change of 42,000 or more votes or the original tally that showed Joe Biden winning by just about 10,000 votes, which one was right, that one or the official county count You couldn't tell. You won't be able to tell without doing yet another full hand count of all of those ballots. But because of the lack of oversight of the cyber ninjas process, the secure chain of custody for the real ballots has now been lost. And we'll have no way of knowing uh, if the ballots after months in custody of this far right wing conspiracy company are actually the same ballots that were cast by voters last November or if they've been changed in some way. In short, the Maricopa County audit is a disaster. Uh, Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs recently published her own summary of new, quote, new and ongoing incidents noted by her observers during the audit once they were allowed in. Among the observations are concerns about security, equipment, communication, as well as policy and process changes. They continue to change the process in the middle of the this so-called audit. Uh, Hobbs recently tweeted, Since the start of the Senate's so-called audit, my office has had concerns over the lack of transparency and even took legal action to ensure we had election experts on the ground. Her experts said they witnessed security gates left open and unattended, confidential materials being left in the open, prohibited pens with black ink, which can be used to change ballots near the ballots multiple times, unauthorized cell phones on the counting uh, floor and confirmation that concealed firearms are allowed on the counting floor. Oh, that's fun. Observers noted Cyber Ninja's software malfunctions that forced the company to roll back an update to their software in the middle of the day, and the middle of the count. Witnesses also said the Arizona Senate liaison, Ken Bennett, who's supposed to be overseeing all of this, he's a former secretary of state in Arizona himself, he confirmed that copies of the voting system data were sent to an unspecified lab in Montana, with no mention of what they intend to do with copies of the data or for how long they will keep it. The Arizona Republic reported last week, uh, over the weekend actually, a contractor hired by the Arizona Senate is reviewing Maricopa County's 2020 election data from an undisclosed location in Montana, with no oversight whatsoever from state or county officials. Ben Cotton, the founder of the tech firm called Cypher, a Senate contra- subcontractor here made copies of the county's election server and election data, and then drove the copies to a, quote, "secure lab in Montana," according to Senate the uh, Senate liaison Ken Bennett. The Senate was given county voters' private information, which theoretically has now been copied by this person to bring to Montana. Bennett said he doesn't know what exactly cotton, what copies that cotton made of that data that he brought to Montana. It appears that the quote unquote secure lab, according to Arizona Republic, might be a home, actually a cabin owned by this guy cotton in the Northern Montana wilderness. Bennett said he didn't know and cotton and the cyber ninjas, the, Senate's main contractor refused to answer any further questions. So, yes, clown show. Indeed. This is decidedly not how public post-election audits of public elections and actual ballots is supposed to work. Throughout the week, last week, witnesses also said they noted general confusion among the organizers, a lack of quality control practices in place meant to ensure that data is entered correctly. Witnesses said they saw at least three people who are not Maricopa County residents, quote, rifling through thousands of military and overseas ballots. The uh, this as the decision to carry out this recount by the Republican state Senate in Arizona was made in spite of the county's Republican controlled board of supervisors vehemently Objecting to all of this, saying the election had already been audited more than once by credible, credible firms. In the meantime, however, Donald Trump and his supporters have been citing that Arizona process as a model for audits in other swing states like Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania and elsewhere. And they believe because Trump has told anyone that he can find that somehow magically this effort will result in him being reinstated to the presidency this August somehow, despite the fact that there is so far no evidence that Trump actually won any of these states they hope to audit. And more to the point, there is no actual legal or constitutional mechanism for reinstalling a president based on anything that anybody might imagine they will find in such audits, even if they do find anything. Nonetheless, Trump has been continuing his lies about the election having been stolen from him. Last month, he told a wedding reception at Mar-a-Lago the following.
0: Let's see what they find. I wouldn't be surprised if they found thousands and thousands and thousands of votes. So we're going to watch that very closely. and After that, you'll watch Pennsylvania, and you'll watch Georgia, and you're going to watch Michigan, and uh, Wisconsin, and you're watching New Hampshire. They found a lot of votes up in New Hampshire just now.
1: Really? They found a lot of votes up in New Hampshire just now, did they? Well, actually, sort of, but not in the presidential race, and... Well, as usual, what the disgraced former president said had the tiniest relationship to the truth. But that was more than enough for the MAGA mob to believe that thousands and thousands of votes were found in New Hampshire and that an audit in the state would soon reveal him to be the winner of the granted state's four electoral votes in 2020 a state that he was certified by the state's Republican governor to have lost to Joe Biden by more than 55,000 votes or more than seven points. But something actually did go wrong in New Hampshire last November, at least in one small town by the name of Wyndham, which appears to be what Trump was talking about when he talked about all of those votes that they, quote, found there. In fact, there were four seats for the New Hampshire State House of Representatives on the ballot in Wyndham last November, and there were eight candidates, four Republicans and four Democrats, running for those four seats. In this contest, the top four vote-getters in the eight-person race would win the, the, the four seats. As it turns out, the four Republicans on the ballot were declared the winner of the race on election night. But the fifth place vote getter, Democrat Christy Saint Laurent, had, according to the state's 20 year old Diebold optical scan system, she had come up short for the fourth seat by just 24 votes in this small town where about 10,000 ballots had been cast. She asked for a hand recount of those hand marked paper ballots and she received one about a week after the election day uh, last November. That hand count revealed that, in fact, the Republicans in the race, the four Republicans who were declared the winner, in fact, they should have received about 300 more votes than the computerized optical scan systems had recorded. And St. Laurent, for her part, She actually received about 100 votes less when the town held its hand count, which is considered the gold standard when it comes to tallying election results. So what actually happened here? Good question. And it was one that the state legislature wanted to find out as well. So they adopted a law allowing for a Post-election forensic audit of the Wyndham, New Hampshire state representatives race last month, after which Donald Trump declared that they had suddenly found thousands of votes in New Hampshire, you know, found during the official recount months ago last year, about one week after Election Day. But unlike the Maricopa clown show starring the unexperienced conspiracy theorist Cyber Ninjas, New Hampshire hired actual experienced professionals to oversee and carry out this important audit, including Mark Lindeman of the nonprofit nonpartisan verified dot org. Our friend, the legendary Finnish white hat hacker, cybersecurity and voting system expert, Harry Hursty, who is famous for, among other things, carrying out the first known hack of a Diebold optical scanner. That's the type still used in Wyndham and across most of the state of New Hampshire. Uh, And they hired UC Berkeley professor of statistics and associate dean of mathematical and physical sciences and the inventor of the post-election risk-limiting audit protocol, Philip B. Stark to carry out this audit. The three professional auditors last month then went about about carrying out an open, transparent, professionally run audit, inviting media and public observers to oversee each step of the process, even going so far as to live stream the entire process with multiple cameras and audio. But not in the way the cyber ninjas did did it in in Maricopa with these faraway cameras, allowing viewers to see pretty much nothing at all. But they did it with close up cameras of the counting and the tally sheets as they were marked with audio, unlike in Maricopa, that included the auditors explaining what they were doing every step of the way. And as they were taking and answering questions from observers, both in the room and on Twitter. So what did they find? Did the machines mis-tally votes in Wyndham, New Hampshire last November, or was there some sort of error during the hand recount a week or so later? If there was a mis-tally by the decades-old Diebold scanners, well, why did it occur? And should we be concerned that it may have also affected the presidential race in Wyndham and elsewhere across the state? Well, joining us now to finally answer some of those questions and likely a few more is one of those professional auditors who has been a guest on this program in years past. That would be UC Berkeley professor Philip Stark. Oh, professor, thank you for finally carving out some time for us today and welcome back to the broadcast.
0: Thanks for having me on the show again. Uh, sorry, life's been a little bit uh, hectic over the last few weeks.
1: Yeah, I know you've been sort of busy for some reason. Listen, I've been, I've been doing my best to follow your live streams and your Twitter feed for the audit, uh, which folks can follow at W Auditors on Twitter. Uh, I've been following it for the past several weeks, since the beginning of this thing uh, several weeks ago. I want to thank you first, uh, Philip, for the clear, organized, and well-explained and overseeable process throughout. I believe you are now done, as I understand it, with the physical work on the ground, and you're in the process of writing up your formal report. But do you and Lindemann and, and Hursty feel Confident that you have discovered, in fact, what did go wrong in the original counting process on the d AccuVote Acuvote optical scanners in Wyndham?
0: So uh, there is still work to do, uh, including the forensic investigation of the uh, EPROM uh, chips that contain the, uh, the, the the fundamental programming in the Acuvote OS, which mm-hmm. uh, Hari Hersky is, you know, undertaking over the next week or so. And there's some more experiments that we're planning to do uh, with folded ballots. Um, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that later on the show.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: the main work is done, and we're very comfortable that we've identified the primary contributors to the mistabulation of the votes in the state representative contest mm-hmm. in Wyndham. Uh, they are, namely, um, ballots that were folded. Through vote targets in uh, contests, including in particular Christy St. Laurent's vote target in the state representative contest. She is the candidate who called for the recount. Mm-hmm. Um, that by itself is not the only thing going on because the, in experiments that we subsequently did with folded ballots, we found that there was a great deal of variability across machines and their ability to correctly interpret folds through boat targets, folds through ovals. Uh, some, uh, we, we tested two in particular, and one did a much better job than the other, although neither did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third thing is that it's clear that maintenance does matter because just using compressed gas to blow the dust out of the reader on the machine that was performing worst made it perform substantially better. Again, yeah. not acceptably, but substantially better.
1: So, me, uh,
0: We well, have a pretty good understanding of, of, so I'm talking on top of you, I apologize, but we have a pretty good understanding of how the ballots came to be folded the way they were folded, um, which was generally not along the score lines that the printer puts on them to guide where they should be folded. So if they'd been folded in the right place, this wouldn't have been an issue uh, either.
1: So uh, let me just uh, hit a few of those points you made, just to, uh, to sort of simplify, make sure I understand them, make sure everyone understands them. When you talk about folds going through a target area on a space, uh, on, on a ballot, that target area is the oval where you might vote for someone, in this case, the Democrat Christy St. Laurent and uh the fold went through her oval which the optical scanners appear to have read as a vote is is that simply what 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 we believe happened there uh
0: that's uh what we believe happened a lot of the time there were also folds through other vote targets uh including all of the gubernatorial candidates and one of the other state representative candidates soji uh so this was not isolated to that vote target mm-hmm. but the polls tended to concentrate there um, for reasons we, we can
1: talk about but in in the the, the central uh, matter here appears to be that these particular op scanners and like I said I think they're 20 year old optical scanners originally made by Diebold. Um, uh, that they saw a fold in the paper and thought that was a vote. So you had, if I understand this, uh, you had, uh, you know, in races where all four Republicans had received a vote, um, there might be a fold going through the Democrat Christy St. Laurent's uh, target. That would then make the machine believe the entire race, was actually an overvote because you're only allowed to vote for four, but they saw five votes with the scanner, and they would throw out those votes, and then when you later counted them by hand, that's how each of those four Republicans gained three hundred votes because they were legitimate votes, but they were thrown out as overvotes before because the machines thought someone voted for five people instead of four Is, is that essentially what you found what, what we're talking about but, but-
0: yeah that's essentially right um everybody tends to pick up some votes in a hand count because people are better at ascertaining voter intent than the machines are
1: thank you um, yes I examples
0: agree. of situations <laughs> where that where that happens uh, are for example uh, under new hampshire law if somebody votes for sununu for governor and also writes in sununu's name and bubbles in the bubble as a write-in for sununu, um, the machine would consider that an overvote, since you're only allowed to vote for one in the gubernatorial contest. But human beings, under New Hampshire law, would interpret that as a valid vote for Senator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there are examples of things like that. Uh, there are examples of ballots that were filled in in green ink, which the scanners aren't going to be able to interpret. Mm-hmm. There are examples of ballots where people, you know, made a tiny check mark or this or that, and didn't, you know, d- didn't mark in the oval well enough for the machine to have much hope of correctly uh, noticing their vote. Uh, There were a couple of real unicorn ballots, things I've never seen before, um, where evidently when a voter opened the absentee envelope containing the ballot, they sliced the top third of the ballot off (laughs) and then taped it back on, Uh but taped it back on with its head on backwards. Oh, boy. Um, And this happened twice in this election. So there's no hope that the machines would interpret those ballots correctly. But human beings reading them can.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh so I, I'm currently estimating that about twenty two of the votes that the Republican candidates picked up were simply due to the differences between the hand count rules and the way machines mm-hmm. tend to read things, and that, you know, roughly two hundred and seventy, you know, seven of them Uh, Those votes uh, were due to misreading folds through ovals as marked ovals.
1: And in the case of the Democrat, who, uh, with the hand count back in November, actually lost about 100 votes, those 100 votes would be votes that she was given uh, because of the folds, and that when human beings looked at them, it was discovered, no, that's a fold, that's not actually a vote, right?
0: Yep. although actually uh, she presumably picked up even more than the 99 because we would have expected her to pick up about 22 in the hand count anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the guess is she picked up something over 100
2: mm.
0: when there was a fold through her otherwise unmarked vote target and the voter had not so- already selected for other candidates. So mm-hmm. they they'd undervoted, Um, And the poll went through her vote target.
1: Now, again, I want to try to not get too deep into the technical weeds here, Philip, uh, if possible. But how did you in general go about testing and confirming this theory that uh, many of us, if if we bothered to watch, would have seen you uh, sort of walk through over a a period of a couple of weeks last month?
0: Well, uh, one of the mysteries going into this forensic audit in the first place was what kind of mechanism would add votes to some candidates and subtract votes from other candidates, mm-hmm. the usual things that go wrong uh, in an election would do one or the other, but not both. Uh, as I mentioned before, hand counts tend to find more votes than machine counts do. If uh, a batch had been hand counted twice, that might add you know some hundreds of votes to. Mm-hmm. Uh, to some candidates, but it wouldn't be expected to subtract any votes from anybody else. Mm-hmm. So there was kind of a puzzle here going in um, and trying to figure out what, what could account for those, you know, kind of incongruous facts. Mm-hmm. Then uh, we made reference scans of all uh, roughly 10,000 ballots that were cast um, in uh, Wyndham, and Hari Hirstie, uh did some image processing, computer vision, to align all of the front pages and align all the back pages and superpose them, and it really jumped out that there was a very big concentration of folds through Christie Saint Laurent's oval, mm. uh, even though the actual score line on the, on the ballot suggesting where it should be folded is is not near her oval. It's actually above the candidate above hers, so it's it's not close to that at all. Um, then we kind of had the realization that folds through a vote target could produce both you know, addition and subtraction, those the mechanisms that you just explained. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another piece of evidence was that the machine that was used to process about 90% of the absentee ballots uh, had a higher rate of blank votes in that contest than the other machines did, about a 5% higher rate of blank votes. Mm. So that was, again, a suggestion that this might have something to do with absentee ballots in particular. The next uh, thing was to design an experiment to see whether if we put, ballots that were misfolded, that were folded through boat targets, uh, through the scanners, would they, as expected, misinterpret those folds as boats? And so we designed uh, basically four sets of experiments using flat ballots that had never been folded and using ballots that had been folded. Um, let me talk a little bit about the folding. So it turned out that in order to keep up with um, record demand for absentee ballots uh, for voting during a pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, the election office was having trouble. Uh, so every absentee ballot in New Hampshire is folded before it's given to. Uh, to a voter, okay. or at least in this, in this jurisdiction. It's folded. of it's given to voters. Put it in an envelope and mm-hmm. give it to the voters. Right. So they originally were folding these ballots by hand and were having trouble meeting demand, and someone had uh, the bright idea of saying, hey, we have this letter-folding uh, machine in our office, this, this rented machine that we use for mm-hmm. sending out license renewals. Maybe we can use it to fold ballots. So that's what they did, um, and it just happened to fold ballots very consistently in the wrong place, gotcha. and in particular through Christie St. Laurent's vote oval. Now we were able to get a hold of that machine, um, figure out how the ballot. We had there were leftover folded absentee ballots that were unvoted mm-hmm. uh, from November, so we mm-hmm. were able to use those basically as a template to see what was involved in getting the machine to fold the ballots the way those had been folded. We inspected the folds under a microscope to confirm exactly what the process was and whether they went in, you know, top first, bottom first, et cetera. Wow. Uh, confirmed that the folds were basically iron. So uh, what election officials will often do is use the handle of a pair of scissors or coin to make the crease, uh, to make the fold flatter so that the, uh-huh. the ballot will fit into the envelope. Uh-huh. Um, so we can kind of confirm on a microscopic level what had been done. And then we made four decks of 75 ballots, two of the decks were not folded two of the decks were folded using this folding machine um, Mm -hmm. and and the and the folding process that we understood the election officials to have done so one of the decks that was not folded uh, had um 75 ballots 50 voted straight party republican 25 voted straight party democrat except in the state rep contest which was voted for all four republicans so there was a deck like that Uh with folds and a deck like that without folds and the deck uh, without folds was tabulated perfectly by the machine. Hmm. The deck with folds was tabulated perfectly by the machine in every contest except state rep. Gotcha. Um, well, but I, when state or state rep, sorry, go ahead.
1: Well, no, I, I yeah, because I don't, I want to, I'm short on time here. And I, I want to hit a few other points, but I mean, all of these, Experiments, or at least many of them that I was able to watch myself, you sort of, you guys, the, the auditors there, sort of stepped us through and we could watch this entire process. And I'm underscoring this point, Philip, because... Uh, I mentioned the disaster, the clown show, as I see it going on in Maricopa. I am not against audits. I have said I've uh, long, you know, not against uh, post-election audits, even if it's by, you know, partisans who have even been misinformed. People ought to be able to understand, uh, have confidence in you know, the election results, particularly when we're using computers to do so much of this. Um, but the important point is you guys walked us through all of this publicly in what I think should be the role model for how these sorts of audits should happen. Now, Philip, you you and uh, were you and uh, you you and Har- Hari and, and Lindeman. Uh, you said you, you found some similar problems that happened when the Folds went through a gubernatorial race. Trump supporters were hoping this audit might offer evidence that the entire state should be recounted at the federal level. Uh, if this many votes were incorrectly read by the scanners in the state House of Representatives race in Wyndham and some of the other races there, uh, is there reason to believe that similar mistallies may have occurred on these systems in, A, other towns, and B, other races, including the presidential race in New Hampshire, which Biden was, again, certified to have won by more than 55,000 votes based on the, ta- the tallies by these same computers.
0: So we didn't see any examples whatsoever of polls going through the presidential contest, much less through any of the vote targets in the presidential contest, we saw a handful of examples of bolds going through the gubernatorial contest where they might have added a vote or turned uh, a valid vote into an overvote, but it was relatively rare. But the only place we saw bolds consistently through vote targets was in the state rep contest. That would not have happened if the ballots had been folded along the score lines provided by the printer. Mm -hmm. So what would be needed for this to affect votes in another contest is the ballots need to be consistently folded in the wrong place through a vote target. And that might be because someone used a machine that wasn't set up to put the folds in the right place or Mm -hmm. consistently hand-fold in the wrong place. We're not aware of any evidence of that having happened elsewhere. We have requested some data that would help us get an idea about that, including the poll tapes from jurisdictions that process their absentee ballots primarily on one or two machines. Now, I need to be clear that the scope of our audit, by statute, is just the town of Wyndham, Mm -hmm. and by statute is just this state rep Rockingham 7 contest, Mm -hmm. although we were required to retabulate by hand three specific contests, one statewide, namely the governor, one local, namely the state rep, and one federal, namely U.S. senator. Um, we've gotten a lot of heat from people who think that we should have somehow turned this into a statewide audit of every contest. The statute is very clear uh, in its first paragraph that the scope is the state rep contest.
1: What, given what you saw, would you recommend that there was a statewide audit uh, uh, of uh, of other races that were on the on those fold lines and or you know the presidential race itself?
0: So I, I'm not sure what there is to be gained from doing that right now. There is no mechanism under New Hampshire election law to recall any candidate at this point. So it couldn't change the outcome. And we've already demonstrated pretty conclusively that this can happen and can alter votes. Mm-hmm. So for recommendations moving forward, I think we've got a pretty good handle on what to recommend uh, that the, that the state do. So I'm not sure what would be gained, uh, although, you know, it would It would be a show. What can I say?
1: (laughs) Well, you know, this has been, uh, despite this being really the, I've been on this beat for almost 20 years now, and this has been the most transparent. Post-election audit that I think I have ever seen I've been following your Twitter feed I've been following Hari's and the uh, W Auditor's feed on Twitter It seems like You have been challenged despite all of this Transparency you've been challenged You've been attacked a lot by uh, Some of the MAGA folks Throughout this process and even today With many attacking Hari Incredibly enough who's been trying to Speak to any and all such critiques Legit or not as I've been Watching uh, on his Twitter feed Given what seemed to be extraordinary transparency here, what, what are or what were the complaints about, and, and did you learn anything from them? Did they change anything that you were doing along the way during the process?
0: The, the complaints seem to be largely based on um, either a misunderstanding, uh, wh- whether deliberate or not, of things that we have said, and a lack of understanding of the AccuVote OS you know, scanner tabulator a lack of understanding of how new hampshire runs its elections or understanding of new hampshire election law and also people somehow thinking that twitter is a definitive source of information about the audit rather than the live feed and the uh, new hampshire department of justice's website where we've been posting all of the evidence uh, as as we've accumulated it so uh there's some people who are definitely um accusing us of fraud lying uh, being on george soros's payroll of
1: uh are you know, trying are to you
0: cover something up uh, no i'm not um who you know, who, who paid uh, for who actually who paid I for this do.
1: who paid for this uh, account was this was paid by the state of new hampshire right unlike the maricopa where they paid some money to the cyber ninjas but they raised a whole bunch of private money did something like that happen here in new hampshire
0: uh i'm Working on this for free, I'm asking to be reimbursed for my airfare and hotel and and you know and, and meals. Mm-hmm. Um, Hari is being compensated by the Secretary of State and Attorney General. He was the auditor selected by them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark was selected by the township. My understanding is that he isn't billing for his time either. That verified voting is is covering the cost of his time, but I, but he'll probably I assume he'll be submitting expense uh, uh, claims to. Uh, uh, to the town of Wyndham, um, so my understanding is my expenses will be split between the town and the state. I, um, I know, like, yep, yeah, this well, is not a for-profit thing for me.
1: Gotcha. And I know I got to let you go here uh, momentarily. So very quickly, let me see if I can get in two more quick questions. I don't know how close you have been following Philip Stark, the uh, Arizona audit in uh, Maricopa, since your work has you know been cut out for you there over the past several weeks in Wyndham. Uh, but do you know enough about it to know if? voters should have any confidence. You're a uh, post-election audit expert. Should voters have any confidence in what the cyber ninjas might be finding out there in Maricopa? And if not, why not, as you see it?
0: Well, I have not been following all of the details, but I'll say a couple of things. One is the way they're doing their hand count is guaranteed to produce an inaccurate hand count. You really need multiplicity and redundancy uh you need to reconcile uh things as they go along and putting ballots on a lazy Susan and having them spin around in a hurry is not a way to get an accurate count. You know, we used five person tally teams, everything visible, the face of the ballot displayed on camera, the face of the tally sheet displayed on camera, et cetera. Um so I'm much more comfortable, uh much more confident in that process for generating an accurate hand tally. Um, the other thing I want to say is that Jovan Pulitzer has been uh, espousing lies about our process on uh, YouTube videos and whatnot. And uh, when uh, confronted with the fact that the information was was false, uh, he he's done nothing to correct that mm. or revise the record.
1: Mm. You, uh, I know you've been a long uh, proponent for post-election audits and having invented, in fact, the risk-limiting audit protocol that a number of jurisdictions around the country now use. It's seen as the gold standard for such audits. Would Do you support the calls of those Trump supporters uh, who are now demanding audits in places like Fulton County, Atlanta, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and elsewhere? Uh, do you have concerns about them or do you think, yes, we ought to move forward with post-election audits?
0: Well, uh, I mean, I, I think we should routinely have post-election audits pre-certification to ensure that the process, including the electronic tabulation, found who really won. There isn't a mechanism in most of these states for, you know, at this point, changing who won. Understanding what might have gone wrong in the process is certainly worth doing for the purpose of process improvement. That shouldn't be a political issue. Now, Fulton County and Georgia more more, more generally didn't do the world's best job of keeping track of uh, ballots, um, mm-hmm. how many they had, uh, the, the sort of physical custody issues, uh, I think, were, were not awesome, at least not uniformly awesome throughout Georgia, uh, as reflected in the fact that when they did their attempt at a full-hand count, they found thousands of ballots that had never been tabulated mm-hmm. and scans of thousands of ballots that had never been uploaded. So they didn't have good physical inventories of their memory cards either. So I don't know what could be shown, affirmatively shown by an audit in Fulton at this point. Um, I think you could probably find some problems, but I don't think that you're ever going to be able to figure out who really one because just the the at the time the process was not at least my impression in Georgia generally this isn't specifically about Fulton County but my but in, in general in Georgia the process was not such that. Any audit could tell who really won.
1: Last question. Now, this may be more political uh, than election integrity, but do you feel, based on your time there, that the process in New Hampshire will have assuaged the concerns from Trump supporters that the New Hampshire election was stolen from him? And if not, if it doesn't, what would it take for that to happen?
0: So I I don't think that Trump supporters are a single block of people who think all the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been working closely with lawmakers, including um, very conservative Republican lawmakers, uh, who are uh, quite convinced by uh, the evidence that that we have, you know, uncovered in the course of this audit, and uh, you know, believe uh, as we do that this is, uh, you know, as Hari put it, uh, a, a a conspiracy of coincidences—just a bunch of things just happen to line up in a particular way that took votes away from the Republicans. If the columns had been switched, it would have taken votes away from the Democrats. Mm-hmm. If people weren't straight party voters, it wouldn't have taken votes away from the Republicans in the same way. There's like A bunch of things happened, including you know, not folding in the right place, etc. So there are definitely people who think that, that uh, uh, Mark, uh, Hari, and I were hired to cover something up. I don't know what it is we're supposed to be covering up. I'm really kind of clueless. The idea that we are not motivated to find malware if malware is there is kind of laughable. Uh, it would be a career-making thing for us. Um, you know, we'd like nothing more than to find malware if malware is there, but we're not going to pretend it's there if it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, there, As I mentioned before, there's still a little bit more electronic forensics to do in looking at the contents of the e uh, but there was no evidence of malware in the memory cards, per se, and the effect that we've observed is, you know, right now, just completely consistent. Every test that I've thought of to throw at it, everything that we've done, it really looks like it's the folds.
2: Yeah. Now I, I, people
0: are saying, well, if maybe somebody weaponized the folds and knew exactly how to fold the ballots in order to take votes away from the Republicans. Um, could happen. Uh, <laughs> this is kind of a. The, the Wayne's World test, right? Could happen, and monkeys could fly out of my butt.
1: Um. <laughs> and and by the way, uh, Harry Hursty, speaking of making their names, one of the ways he made his names was by hacking, showing how these very machines used in uh, in New Hampshire could, in fact, be hacked. So I would think he would have every reason to, you know, to show if there was any malware or monkey business out of your butt or otherwise you know, if you had come across it in uh, in in Wyndham Philip B. Stark is Professor of Statistics and Associate Dean of Mathematical and Physical Sciences at the University of California, Berkeley he was also one of the uh, three organizing uh, auditors uh, in Wyndham, New Hampshire in this uh, I would call landmark audit, I hope you have to do more of them, even though you may not want to Philip, but uh, I really appreciate your, your clarity throughout that process and in uh, joining us and explaining it today
0: thanks a lot brad good to talk to you
1: thank you philip okay quick break and green news report is next on the broadcast. i'm brad friedman So yeah, I know uh Philip and I sort of uh, election geeked out there a little yes, bit. You did. So we're running late and it's time <laughs> for Desi Doyan to climate geek out a little bit in our latest Green News Report.
3: From Maine to New Mexico, the U.S. is seeing historic high temperatures sweltering in dangerous hot air that's arrived earlier than usual, catching many off guard. Tonight, major cities from Boston to Washington, D.C. are declaring weather emergencies. Extreme heat hits the U.S., breaks all-time high records in the Middle East atmospheric CO2 levels now highest in more than 4 million years. Plus... The way
2: we humans live on Earth
1: is sending it into a decline.
3: Sir David Attenborough is done being nice about climate change.
1: Yeah, me too. All of those stories and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. In neighboring Utah, the dry conditions prompt to the governor to call for a weekend of prayer. We need more rain, and we need it now. We need some divine intervention. Aha! Republicans in Utah finally admit climate change is man-made. Because man isn't praying enough. That'll fix it. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, it looks like you've got nothing but bad news today.
3: <laughs> yes, sadly. As usual. Yep. Concentrations of CO2 in the atmosphere have reached a new record high 419 parts per million, as measured at the Mauna Loa Observatory in Hawaii. That's 50% higher than pre industrial levels, the highest in 4 million years. The last time CO2 was this high, global sea levels were nearly 80 feet higher than today, and average temperatures were 7 degrees Fahrenheit hotter. Even though last year's emissions did drop by 7% due to pandemic-related economic shutdowns, it barely registered as a blip. Mm. Axios meteorologist Andrew Friedman explains that, quote, CO2 levels directly correspond to climate impact. As long as we're emitting CO2, concentrations will keep building up. It took more than a century to reach 400 parts per million, but it's taken humanity only eight years to reach 419.
1: We're good at this.
3: Global warming, of course, is already impacting us now. The Russian Arctic hit 89 degrees Fahrenheit last week, and this week, a blistering extreme heat wave is breaking records across the Middle East, with temperatures running around 15 degrees above normal, driving temperatures to historic levels for this time of year. It's only early June, but several Mideast countries over the weekend tied all-time high national temperature records, some soaring above 125 degrees Fahrenheit, a full month before high temperatures reach their annual average peak.
1: Of course they did. This is hitting us hard and it's hitting us bad.
3: Here in the U.S., much of the country is sweltering through an historic early season heat wave. More than 24 million people are under extreme heat advisories from the northern plains to New England, from Texas all the way up into Canada. At least six states set new record highs on Monday, with several cities in the east coast declaring heat emergencies. The heat is intensifying, Storm in the south and severe drought conditions across the west, including fueling wildfires.
1: See what I said about this is getting bad?
3: In India, where the annual monsoon season begins this month, a new study concludes that man-made global warming will likely make India's increasingly erratic monsoon seasons even more intense and severe. Researchers studying a million years' worth of ice core data found that higher CO2 levels and associated global warming were major factors in past monsoon intensity. They confirm monsoons are already intensifying now and warn, quote, the risk of catastrophically strong monsoon seasons is very likely to get worse because of man-made climate change.
1: Just more warnings that we can ignore. Don't be silly.
3: A different study projects that the price of tea could soar due to man-made climate change because a quarter of the world's tea is produced in India, where heavier rains have washed away crops and eroded soil. Finally, venerable 95-year-old British naturalist and filmmaker Sir David Attenborough calls his latest film A Life on Our Planet a first-hand witness account of what he has seen happen to the planet and he gave an uncharacteristically stark assessment in an interview with 60 Minutes on Sunday.
1: You call the film a witness statement. A witness statement is given when a crime has been committed.
0: Yeah, well, the crime has been committed. And, uh, and it so happens that, that I'm of such an age that I was able to see it beginning.
3: But he also sounds a note of cautious optimism if humanity can ramp up clean, renewable energy. If we could
2: solve the problems of storage and transmission, the world is ours. We have all the power we need. Why should we go on poisoning life?
1: Because poison pays, Sir David, and it pays well. And this is a guy who's been watching this stuff for a very long time. Yeah, he's kind of old. No more Mr. Nice Guy there. For much more on all of these reports and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget, you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, Google, or Apple Podcasts. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. No more Mr. Nice
2: Guy.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> no more Mr. Clean. Uh, <laughs> Thank you very much, Des. we got to get out. Our great producer, Desi Doyen. My thanks to our guest today, UC Berkeley's Philip B. Stark, and all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. All of which is made possible only by listeners like you who stop by Bradblog.com slash donate. You can drop me email if you like. I'm Bradcast at Bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, you'll find me at the BradBlog. See you there until we see you here next time, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck world. No
2: more Mr.